Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Today is Tuesday, and on Tuesday, as you guys know, that is when we do the show from the pulpit to the couch, and that is where you will be receiving biblical teachings as well as receiving information from myself, Jeanette Abney, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Now, with that being said, today's topic is he is able. With all the sadness, confusion, anger, despair, a loss of hope, grief, all that we're going through and we're seeing as well as experiencing, we must go back to the Word and believe that we serve a God that is able even in the storms of life. You know, I'm watching this, and right now, you know, the governor was on earlier, the um, Biden was on earlier. You know, I'm listening to all of this stuff, and they talk about the coronavirus, and I was concerned, especially with kids going back to school. I'm watching the looks on these individuals' faces, different things that they're saying, and now they're fighting amongst each other, which is crazy. But the one thing we got to remember is that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we ask or think. So let's talk about it. I'm my first caller on the line. Let me log this person on. Good morning. This is Janelle. Welcome to Purchase Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Number ending in 44. How are you doing? Well, good morning, ma'am. This is Ask Mama G. How are you? Thank you, Mama G. You know what? I'm watching this now. They got the president. They got Dr. Fauci. They going back and forth. And you know we grandmamas now, so we don't have kids in school. But, you know, I was kind of concerned about that because I was asking my grandkids' mothers, what are you going to do? How, what is your take on this? Because, and I said, you know what, we got to pray. We got to pray because we don't know who to believe, who to trust. What is your take on this, Mama G? Well, I talked to my daughter about this, and she said, for right now, she she's continuing to homeschool. As you know, my daughter, she did homeschooling in her career. So right. homeschooling was not, if not a, a foreign thing to us. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but she had to homeschool all three. Now, when she was growing up, it was just her, but now and then the oldest one graduated, so that was a relief. Um, but she said right now that she's not going to let him go to school. Maybe she said if there's a program where they go twice a week, maybe. But I told her don't until there was a vaccine or some kind of uh, safety precautions in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So, because she, you know, it's, it's all the, both of her children were still on the honor roll during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I was I was pleased with that because, like I said, she had experience of teaching her children. I mean, being taught at home. So this wasn't foreign to her. So she every day there was a time clock from eight o'clock, and then at twelve o'clock they had lunch. They got to look at cartoons or play with their um, computers. And then at 1 o'clock, they went back to studying. So they had a routine at their home. Correct. And because, so, you know, I'm just praying for those parents who are not uh, familiar with teaching at home or don't Mm -hmm. have the time or the patience to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would have been one of them because I remember when my kids were young and I was driving to school, bro, so I would take them to the babysitter. Girl, teacher knew all about the young and the restless. So I'm not <laughs> one that want to homeschool. <laughs> but I am going to say I would not put my kids in the – and if I feel like that, it's, it's crazy. And so I understand both sides. I just don't like being misled lied to, deceived, that's the part I don't like. Now, the one thing we're talking about as believers, and I know that God will never leave us nor forsaken us. 
He is also not the author of confusion. And that's what we're seeing right now is a lot of confusion. And many of us continue to pray while others want to rebel. But one thing for sure, God is able. And he can do what he going to do even in the midst of this storm. Now, let me add on another caller. Okay. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments. Number ending in 4-1. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's Curtis. How's everybody doing today? I'm well. I'm well. Mama G sounds like she's well, too. But we're ready to tackle this topic because we got to remember that God is able. Because even though, you know, the people in the White House are trying to tell us what we go do, how we go do it, and then he's getting upset because people are saying, hey, to the gnaw, we're not going out like that. Shut it down. They want to open it. They want to give people money. They want to do all of these things and put this little carrot in front of our face. And yet people are dying. I had a, a woman come and ask me to, uh, to, uh, yesterday. She said, Janine, what is a makeshift morgue? I said, when they just putting bodies on top of bodies to keep them cool because we ain't got no place to put them. You know, and, and that's crazy. So what is your take, Curtis, when we talk about he is able? Well, my my take is this, is that one of the things that we all have to remember right now, that these are all last times, these last days, and the way that everything is happening right now, and the way it's positioned, we have to be mindful that God is able, always here, always there for us. But remember, we all have a choice and a decision to make. And just like you said, about you making a decision to try to take and put all kids in the line of death, dealing with a pandemic, just goes to show you the level of ignorance that you have, but you're the leader, though, but you're supposed to make America great. The reality of it is is you're showing the American way in the dream, the way we know it as coming together as a whole, whether you're stroking the racism, whether you refuse to believe in the pandemic, whether you're ordering people to go back to work, now you're trying to order them to get into school. It's just, it's just, not, it's just not something that we can all change ourselves, and we know that God is able to come in and to intervene the way that we know how he's done so many times in all of our lives and in mm-hmm. each and every different way because everybody's like, well, is God here? God has always been here. He's never forsaken us. He says that we change the narrative. We can pray for something, but do you follow through when you pray? You see, do you continue that? No, you'll do something different, but God didn't already move, but you don't take ownership in knowing that God is able because you change it. Let's not change it. Let's just stay focused and centered and find that peace and that hope and that dream that we can hold on to to know that God is all able, almighty to do any and everything that he said, and he's proven it. It's a proven fact. So since we know that, we need to start embracing that and holding on to that concept and never letting it go. And even when it gets difficult, when the tears are rolling down your eyes, when you're frustrated, you're very upset, you're all emotional because we all go through it, we still have to keep the faith and still know that God's able there too. And then when he fixes everything, we still have to continue down that same path and be like, oh, okay, he didn't deliver me, everything's okay. Don't forget to continue to serve. Because that's what he delivered you from, so you could be the witness, so that you could tell them and show them what God has done for you. That is true. And that's what you call it, definitely a testimony. Because, you know, I contacted my auntie to ask her about my cousin, because she had called the week when we were talking about the mass, and she said that he's doing better, but there's still maybe some issues with his lung. There's just so much going on, and people are just being so disobedient. And want to do what they want to do. I had a lady talking about the other day on, on Facebook how she was upset because they had her wear a mask through the drive-thru. So I made her think about it and look at it from a different perspective. What if that person that was giving you your food had coronavirus and was working because she could, you know, so you're still protecting yourself. Now, I'm looking at something right now, and it's coming from Days of Praise, and it is the Institute of Creation Research, and it says he's able. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can act or think according to the power that worketh in us, and that's in Ephesians 3.20. Now, despite man's arrogant pride, he is utterly unable to save himself 
or make himself acceptable to God. Neither is he able to keep himself saved, nor, above all, is he able to defeat sin or conquer death. That right there is powerful because the one thing we've heard over and over and over, people go die. But I'm like my mama when my mother used to say, sign me up and, and I want my name written and I want I don't want to be amongst the dead right now. I got stuff to do. <laughs> mama G. <laughs> and Mama G, you know I don't like it at all, but I am sitting at home again. <laughs> I, you can't conquer death. I'm not playing with y'all out there. <laughs> What's your take on that? Mama, did they got the president walking around with some military folks with a mask on, looking like he ready to do the crib walk? This is ridiculous. He thinks he's the new godfather. If you ever looked at the movie, I watched that movie again. And this man really believes he's a godfather or some kind of dictator of America. And that's really sad. That's mm-hmm. really sad. And this book that his niece wrote, I'm going to go get it because I want to read. You, if you read that book, you might be able to understand what kind of person he was he was groomed in an environment. Mm-hmm. Girl, because, honey, I had said a long time ago, I used to want to talk to Charles Manson, and I would want to be his therapist. Girl, I would have so much fun, because you know I've been giving him that look like, for real? You really believe that, for real? Girl, he'd probably, be, he'd probably do me like he did. What's that woman's name when he wanted to kick out the White House? Our brother, whatever her name was, that uh, <laughs> that was on the apprentice. He'd probably ready to kick me out to get your mother out of here. <laughs> Sidebar, you, you know, I have a, I, I, on the news, I heard about all these killings on the East Coast with gang-related shooting that's killing the kids. This is just a sidebar. I really would mm-hmm. like to talk to a genuine gang member and find out what makes them get in the game, what is so important about the game. I really yeah. want to do that. This is the thing with the gang. It's the mentality. What? Well, you know. The mentality. All that, it's I'll a, let you go. a royalty. Yeah. I know you can go there, Curtis. I'm going to let you do it. Because growing up in Compton, okay. now, I've never been in a gang. But I have a lot of people that I know that have been in gangs. So, Curtis, I'm going to let you take the flow on this one. Because it's not what people think it is. Because it is organized, too. Yeah. It is. Well, so, now. Yes, ma'am. I want to have an interview with you on my show because okay. I've gotten a lot of mothers calling me up, asking me why are the gangs so prevalent, white and black, especially for those who who never grew up in the environment. But see, but you don't think right now. Even in the even so in the white neighborhoods, um, Mama Chi, they got gangs. Bikers are gangs. Politicians are gangs. They are different types of gangs. So the, it, it's it's go Curtis, go. So basically, I'm on the radio. Um, basically, when it comes down to the when it comes down to the gang violence and everything that's happening right now, Mama G, what it is is that there's a void that the kids look to be filled. Whether it's their father's missing at home whether it's the abuse or whatever it is that they see, mm-hmm. not feeling that they're a part of anything. They want to be a part of something, not realizing it's the worst thing for them and the worst choice in the decision that they can make. But in that moment, in that time, Mama G, they don't see reality the way that we do. You right. see what I'm saying? The violence takes control of you, and it fills a void in your life of absentees Whatever that void could be, but most people get in there, they want to be a part of something. They want to be respected. But we know as the adults we are today, that's not the way to go. But to want to reach them, to try to change the way that they look at things, we can't degrade them because they're already as low as they could possibly be in their life to pick up a pistol and kill one another. So when we start talking about it and we want to really get into the true essence of it is, Okay, you're talking to one right now, so you can ask me whatever it is that you want to understand about it, and I'll explain it to you 
because it took God to deliver me from that because I didn't have a dad. I came from a broken home. I'm on the south side of Chicago. I'm in the projects, and the violence is an all-time high, and it just does not stop no matter what you do. No different than being in Compton. No different than being in southeast of San Diego. All of it is still there, and it's very relevant. And the thing that poses the question to me, black lives matter, right? But when are they going to matter to us? Because we're still killing each other at a higher rate. George Floyd died. Only by the white man, but now everybody's doing it. Yesterday, 57, 73 in New York, 59 in Chicago died of the hands by each other. But nobody's marching and protesting for that. That's the Achilles heel that we have to get into, and it's very difficult to do it. And just like we were saying, we have to know that God's able because we're walking in the lion's den where they're chewing each other up and spitting them out by the seconds in the minutes. And we have to be very careful when we talk about things like that because they're sensitive, they're damaged, they're abused, they don't care, they have no love for anything, but they have the ability to go out and do the most horrific thing in the whole wide world and not realizing how much power it really takes to pull that trigger and end somebody's life. But you can't pick up a book, though. But you can't go visit your kids, though. Sometimes, I hate to say it, but they could be the most loyal people. When you get down to it and you're really able to touch them and see their pain and see they hurt, and sometimes it's hard for individuals to turn their life around. And I remember even going back up and going up in the Compton in the 80s, and like when they was out there saying, we don't have these guns in our neighborhood. These guns are brought to our neighborhood, and it's also another form of distraction. So there's a well, I believe it's just, I can't say the word right now. Systematic race, uh, has something, race has to do with it. Because who, who can afford to How do you think all those people wind up in the same neighborhood? Gentrification plays a role. They don't have jobs. But then you got people walking around here with fancy cars and all of this money, and they the drug dealers. And it's about power, power and control in your neighborhood. I did a show yesterday, and the show that I did was more focused on my father because it was my father's birthday. And he died at 74 of basically by another guy who had a, a bunch of, you know, a felony and all kind of mess. And my father was no joke. No, he wasn't totally innocent, but he had been in gangs and did all of that stuff too. But the thing is, it's that lifestyle. My father carried that lifestyle into his 70s. Because my father was a 74-year-old gangster rapper. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Girl, girl, I'm going to tell you the music. Girl, it's crazy. It's crazy. But we got to remember that, like I said, God is able to turn this around. And they may, it may not be turned around the way we want it to be, but it's going to get turned around. It definitely is. Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll turn well, it around. Tell we you, just, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll, I'll tell you right now, a former gang member myself, what I'll tell you is is that you're going to have to surrender everything that you thought that you knew and let go of everything and forsake it all for God and know that he's able to do it. Is it going to be difficult? Absolutely, because all you ever known was that violence. And, yes, the temptation out there is real. When you see somebody with tens and thousands of dollars, fat gold chains, nice cars, everything, and you sitting in the ghetto, you're dirty, you're stinky, you're hungry, and you want something to happen. And there ain't nobody there to help you or anything. It's a lonely place, and it will take your soul, just like she said, her dad was there, 73. I know people 65, 55, 52, out there, I'm 52, still doing the same thing. And you know what they tell me? They said, man, I done already sold my soul. And I'm not going back. This yeah. is all I know. I'm not going to do anything. Yes, I do know God, but God's just going to have to just judge me when that day comes. And that's mm-hmm. somebody who's truly surrendered to mm-hmm. to that, and they fell victim to it. And it's sad. And, they, yeah. and you can ask them. They will protect me and want me to go out and talk to everybody and try to save them, but they'll run up and do whatever it takes to make sure I'm okay because they're not going to change mm-hmm. their ways. But they do welcome, they do welcome change. And people are like, well, mm-hmm. that's really ironic. Well, the reality of it is it isn't because they surrender, but they know that they want change. They want it for the younger generation, but it's not their calling. 
they know the difference. They know everything. It's just that they've just chosen that, and it's a sad way to go. But at the end of the day, we got to pray for them and know that God's able to change them just like he did me. But you got the wrong You know, when I had my father's funeral, I'll never forget the guy that I was dating. He was kind of hesitant about preaching at my father's funeral because they called my father the male bulldacker. And um, he was like, I can't do this. I don't want to do the prayer. I don't want to. But when he saw all the love that my father had from the people in the project, when he saw how many people admired and worshipped my father, he was like, wow, I really feel bad about this. But I remember waiting for my father to die. My father told me he knew he wasn't going to heaven. He said he wasn't thinking about going there because he didn't know nobody there. He knew what he did. He knew the lifestyle he lived. And I remember even growing up myself when I had got in trouble with me, my mother, and my grandmother. And I grew up, and I used to fight a lot. And I will never forget when I got in trouble for beating a woman with a bumper jack. They told me, well, said to my mother now, that we were three generations of gang members. Now, I've never been officially in no gang, but if you did something to my sister, my mama, or my grandmama, oh, it was on. It was on. And they considered that a game. So all I thought I was doing was protecting my family. And then when I got in trouble, I'm not going to live my life with you guys. I'm not going out like this. I had to change my mindset. Even my son said one time, Mom, you change, Mom. I'm not used to this. Because I don't let the stuff get me mad because I got a whole lot to lose now, and I don't think like that no more. But back when I was girl, Karen, you knew when I was younger I was feisty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know I had that issue me until those people started messing with outfits. And, and and his physical therapy and all this stuff at the school. Then I've got a little bit of you in it. So, yes, I remember those days. And then when you used to threaten me if I didn't have opportunity outside on time, I was going to get whooped the next day. So, yes, I remember those days. You know, you know what it is, is that, Regardless of what it is, we always had loyalty and love for our family. Yes. And we were not going to allow anybody to hurt them. And it made it look like we was in a gang, but we was in our own gang, all family, all bloodline, and we had to protect mm-hmm. them at all costs. I can remember a time where my mom was talking to this man, um, and he was just talking and talking and talking. And the next thing you know, he pushed my mom down. You know what I mean? And before I knew it, I had picked up a two-by-four, and I wore him out with it and told him, don't you ever put your hands on my mom. And I was only 13 years old. And from that point on, everybody in the neighborhood respected me. And I did not know at that moment in time that I was riding with Lucifer himself from that point on. But I thought that I was protecting myself because it's a vicious it's a vicious place out there. They were like, you with us now. Everything's going to be okay. Whatever happens, and it, it is a family. So when people start talking about gangs and gang members, regardless of how violent it is, like you were saying, it's very structured, and there is an element of love. But it's a fine mm-hmm. line between love and hate. And when they hate you, they will destroy you. The one thing I will tell you is they will hurt somebody over you doing good because of who they are, and that's not the way to go about doing it. But they only yep. know one way. See, because the way the ghetto is put together, it's like four walls that you're bouncing off of, and there's no way out. But there really is a way out because look at us now. And just like we were talking about God is able, look at us all now. I used to be mm-hmm. I used to get up, man. I was San Diego's most hated. I went outside for two, three years straight, and every day I went outside, I was fighting somebody. And people were like, well, what's wrong with you? I said, it really ain't me. It's them. I said, but whatever it is, we can do this because this is just what it is. And I have to go, and whether it was using a pay phone, remember back in the day, had your little beeper, get on the pay phone, call back, hey, how you doing today, whatever. Yes, they don't want you to use the phone. We run this phone. Wow, I'm going to use the phone. It's in the neighborhood. So it started a whole bunch of stuff. But evolving and start realizing that once I had my first child and I had something to love, changed my whole entire life because I could not be there anymore because all I wanted was something to love to show that I could do it right. God blessed me with that. I said, God, if you bless me with a child, God, I'm going to take care of my baby, man. 
and I have five boys and three girls, and I love them all and still raising them all today and actively in their life. And majority of them is grown. I have my 12-year-old and my 22-year-old here. You know, and my mm-hmm. 27-year-old, she comes when she wants to. But for the most part, the rest are gone and doing what they need to do. But those are the things. It has to be something in their life, which it should be God, number one, that they want to live and make a difference for. We can't continue this generational gap. Like you said, three generations. I know five and six and eight, nine generations of Crips and Bloods. What I'm mm-hmm. saying, somebody has to be that chain breaker. Someone has to break that chain and start the generation on the right path. But there's nobody actively in the communities, and there are very few and in between that are actually trying to really get down to the root of what the real problem right. is. Because if you kill Terry's sister, what do you think Terry's going to do? Terry's going to go kill you because it's an eye for an eye, and they'll put the Bible put yeah. on that, an eye for an eye. It says it in the scripture. You're absolutely right, but the way you're going about doing it, well, Curtis, I'm not laying down tonight. They killed my sister, man. I'm going to go kill me somebody tonight. And there's really nothing that... And, and there's really nothing that you can really say because it's the two-for-one special. They get you, you get them, they get you. Either way it goes, everybody yeah. loses because you go, they killed your sister. You go, you kill them, they got you. Everybody's gone now. Over what? What was it really over? Uh, misunderstanding somebody being felt like they was disrespected and were killing each other. But we can get out and clog the streets up for the injustice when it comes to the white. What about us, though? And it's such a sensitive subject because most black people are not going to interpret it that way. Well, what are you talking about, man? You know what we've been going through our whole entire life with these white people, but what about what we're going through as black people in our entire life, in our inner cities, in our communities, bro? They're going to get mad and not know how to take it because they don't have the answer. But the answer is Because, like I said, my father was killed by a black man. Who said he was his friend. And then in court he tried to testify and say he didn't do it because he wouldn't kill his friend. And the sad part about it was I knew when he shot my father, if he wouldn't have killed my father, my father would have killed him. So, and, and the thing was, I just did, I'm like, I ain't getting in the middle of that mess. I need, I'm, I'm, no, I got way too much to lose. I am so not the one now. Now, the thing is, and I want to read in regards to Ephesians 3.20, and it talks about Paul concludes in his prayer for his Ephesian children that he focused on God's ability. He declared that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all what we think, and we are extremely limited in our abilities, meaning a lot of times we talk about our abilities, but we take God because what you do for God will last, and you allow God to, God to come into your heart and change your thinking, and you decide that this is the way you want to live. Because when we talk about even Mother Mama G, and you know with the Church of God in Christ, you know how that was with the Church of God in Christ in the beginning. And a lot of people just came in and conformed and turned their life over and turned their life around. But we got to also be able to trust and feel that we can trust because individuals don't want to trust men nor do they want to trust God and because we got too many people trying to play and pretend like they're God but when we start talking about even with our understanding and our inability to bring us to an utter dependence upon Christ for salvation it also brings us to the complete dependence upon the Holy Spirit to renew us in the whole person after the image of God and to enable us to die more and more unto our sin and to live unto righteousness. That's when you know God is able. Like I said, when, that, when my neighbor killed my dog one time and I called my son over there, and my son was like, okay, Mom, what's up? Mom, what you going to do? And I looked at my son, my son looked at me like, Mom, for real? This is not you. Why am I going to go do something that I know that man is racist? And I know, and yeah, I was upset about him killing my dog, but... It wasn't with me going to jail behind. So sometimes when you see the God in people, because God can move people. Karen, what is your take on that? And let's talk a little bit more about how you know he's able. Oh, well, where do we, where do we start?
faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy. He is able to keep which I have committed unto him until that day. He is able to subdue things to himself. So how is he able in your life? (laughs) Well, let's start from the beginning in my life. As you know, I have a physical challenge. I was born with cerebral palsy on the left side. But that didn't stop my intelligence, what what they said I was intelligent. And so I, I thrived with learning as much as I could. And then when I, and then I had an aunt who told me that the way to a man's heart is help him get in his head and help him survive, make him prosperous, make, make him feel that you have his back. So I did that, and miraculously, I was I was I got married, um, and then I asked Lord for children. Now, every time I got pregnant, I got on my knees and asked the Lord to give me special children, and I give them back to you. And I, I'm gonna start to cry though, and He did that. As you know, my first one is famous. My second one. Is a surviving individual that you used to drive to school, and he mm-hmm. plays the drums professionally now. My third one was the private uh, 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 child who went to the most prestigious school in the United States, Army Navy Academy, and was the head HNIC there. And then I adopted uh, my nephew. So my life has been filled just because. I prayed, and I asked God to keep me in my mind because some of the things that happened in my life, like when I lost Rory Jr., he was the only black child at this camp, and they tell me it was an accident, and the boy that went swimming with him had gotten, he was a high-risk white boy who got kicked out of Carlsbad School District. And they said they were playing a game in the in the lake, and boy didn't come back up. And I know in my heart that he tried to challenge Roy with that Duncan stuff, and it was too much for Roy, and Roy didn't come back up. But they said it was an accident, and nobody didn't want to talk to me about it. No parents wanted to talk to me. They sent money and cards, but nobody did not want to tell me the actual truth that happened. Do you know for six months, I did not want to see a person that wasn't my color. I did not want to see them because I remember my great aunt used to tell me all the time. And even 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 uh, Uncle Buster, who was, a, who was known for being in trouble in Louisiana, he told me, and they both said, they said, you can work with them, you can love them if you want, but don't trust them with your life. Mm-hmm. And boy, did that come, boy, did that rage come back up into me. It was horrible those six months. It was, it was like, I wasn't raised like this, but why do I have this fury? And then I remember my back on Max used to say they were uh, blue-eyed devils, and mm-hmm. that came up to me. But I just had to stay in the world. I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, the white people, they were nice. They would call me up. They would see how I was doing. They offered me to go to the grief counseling class. I went, and it, I mean, I brought it back to my community, but I was, there was still something that was raging in me. And today, I, I tell my I tell my nephew, don't trust them. Do not mm-hmm. trust them with your life, because you're gonna be six feet under Jesus. Oh Lord help. Part of the character was the anger and the grief of losing your son. Because I remember when your son was studying, and because remember your son also played on my basketball team at one time when I was coaching. So, because when the teacher was on the on the same team, so I knew all three of the kids, 
And the thing is, that hurt. And God was able to change your heart. God was able to work on you because you had saw so much also in the church because you've been in church ever since I've known you. So it's like, Lord, why did this happen to me? And a lot right. of parents, it's hard for them to hear through that. And you did like I did. You radio, you talk about it, you try to help other young men to try to be successful. But it goes back again to when we talk about he's able. Who can you trust? you got to trust God. Oh, that's the only person you can trust. And I'll tell you right now that uh, 375 pounds fell on me behind when I was at work. I thought I was at the top of the food chain. I was making $110,000 a year. I was writing on a clipboard. Uh, the doors were 12 foot tall. It blew out my back. It blew out both my meniscus. And they told me that I wouldn't be able to walk anymore. And by the grace of God, I started walking because God is able. And then um, something cracked in my back again. This is in 07 when the fires was out. Something popped in my back. I was selling real estate. I was back on it again. I'm like, okay, everything's going fine. And um, something popped in my back. I had 87 staples in my back all over again, learning how to walk. We had a four-bedroom house, two-car garage. I'm laying there in the bed. My wife is six months pregnant with my daughter, Kenya. She's 12 now, sitting there. And um, I'm laying on my back. And what I did was I cussed God. When I woke up, I was in ICU. I had flatlined. And I said to myself that at that moment, that God is able. I was in an out-of-body experience. I was like in the wall, and, it's, and I know as crazy as it sounds, I was looking at my family, screaming and hollering, my kids running them down the street, my son punching holes in the wall, and my wife slapping me like I'm crazy, telling me don't leave right now, you know, because I didn't have the money to be able to take care of my family, and it bothered me so much because where I came from, what God had delivered me from, it was so difficult for me to understand why am I here? Why am I here right now in this moment if you brought me this far? You brought me this far to leave me here and forsaken me. But the reality of it was he never forsaken me. He was still there and he brought me back. But one thing I learned in that moment in saying, talking to God the way that I did, that he's all able, all knowing and everything. And I recovered. And in Jesus' name, it even happened again in 09. But I learned. I learned that, you know what, it has to be something that God is delivering me from. I'm sitting there in 09. I, I learned how to walk, pee, and poop all over again three times and not able to walk. My kids is like, Daddy, can you get up off the floor? I'm laying there. I'm crying because I got the staples in my back again. And I'm just all I'm doing is just believing in God. I knew then that God had a purpose for me. I ended up getting up, walking again, and then the doctors going and giving me an MRI and having me come in where six doctors are looking at my back and saying that I don't know how you're able to walk, touch your toes, do anything that you're doing. Can you pray for, pray to your God for me? I said, you have to pray for him yourself, but I'll pray for him, but I can't teach you the faith. But I will tell you that God is able to do any and everything. I am a walking, willing testimony right now for anybody who wants to know how good God is. And the medical mm-hmm. records do not lie. Amen? Good. And I'm walking Amen. right now. Amen. Well, I'm going to say this. You said medical records can't lie. Medical records can be kind of messed up because I was told the story mm-hmm. of when my mother wanted a child and I was her firstborn child. Yeah. But they told my father, we can either save your child or we can save your wife. My father said, save my wife, we can have another child. My grandmother said, save my grandchild, because they let you know I had a dysfunctional family. They didn't get along. <laughs> yeah. and when I was born, my, yeah. my father almost lost us both. They told my mother that I was dead. And then when they found out I wasn't, they told her that I was going to be mentally retarded and that I would not be able to walk or talk. All my life, I was a straight-A student. I mean, I want to walk all the time, but I can't. <laughs> and I'm far from being right. mentally delayed with the challenge. And the, is, the medical report, and even, Karen, you know with me having lupus, the stuff that most people go through with lupus, I don't go through. I've never had those problems. Oh, yeah. 
God is God for that. That's how I know he's able. But that's also part of what's keeping me in the house is because in my 50s now, I don't want to challenge these things because I was already doomed from both, you know. So I, I know God is able, and I know God is in control. And we just have to learn how to see things a lot differently now. And see, and when we talk about yeah. that, that he can, he's able to save you from the uttermost, that uttermost could be anything, anything. I've been blocked. I've been shielded, even in marriages. People say, well, Jeanette, you don't act like that. Jeanette, you don't mean, I don't carry all that grief, strife, and malice. I ain't got time for that. Nope. Because it will eat you nope. up. So your uttermost could be anything that he is able yeah. to um, save you from. Well, you know what, that was so important in what you said. That was so important in what you said to not carry the grief because God is able, because it will eat you alive. And and anybody out there listening to us right now, trust and believe in God and know that he's able. But remember this, anything that you choose to carry inside, remember that was a choice that you chose. God never asked you to do that. You're doing that on your own. And when mm-hmm. you carry it, it will eat you inside out. It will destroy any and everything that ever would be or could be good about you because you chose to carry it. It's too toxic. The things that God has delivered us from, because we know that he's able, we have to let those things go and leave those things behind us because he's already delivered you from it. So why would you continue to carry it in your life with you? If all Father has already delivered, ask God, just let go and give it to God Because if you don't let go And give it to God Then what are you going to do You're going to carry it And it's going to destroy you And once it destroys you There is no coming back Because you lost faith Because God had already Delivered you from it But you wanted to carry it And we all have to be Really mindful Of what we ask God And what he's doing And how we're going to Do our part Because he's always Going to do his part Because that's who he is The follow through Is just Unbelievable when it comes to us Because we're flawed We're born in a world of sin But at the end of the day Us being born in a world of sin Does not stop us From correcting the mistakes And the situations That's going on in our life Because our fathers Already did it for us We just have to do our part And stay mindful And know that he's able But remember Not to carry it Don't put it on your backpack God delivered you from that 20 years ago But here it is 20 years later And you're still carrying it that has nothing to do with God. That has to do with you. With you. That's Just true. let go and let no, God. No, no, no. I'm going to say this, and I want you guys to elaborate on this. He's able to build you up, and that's in Acts twenty thirty two. A lot of times when individuals are broken and they can't find or see their way through in the storm and in the midst of their trials and crises and tribulations, you got to remember in Acts, he can build you up. You know, when I'm thinking of this Humpty Dumpty, you know, because a lot of us are broken. A lot of us have been through things. A lot of us run the church because we're looking at it in regards to trying to be saved. And then now in the state of California, we see that they, um, you were talking earlier, um, not a couple of weeks ago, Karen, that you're, um, you're going to be a Zoom member of the church. <laughs> but it looks like we're going back to that because they're about to shut the churches back down again. So the thing is, God can't build you up. Karen, what do you want to say in regards to that, being built up? Oh, um, he's wonderful. Um, because I, I go back to my story with Rory Jr. I, I had no idea that I met a young man who owned a radio station on the Internet. And we met at the country club. And um, we got to talking, and I was telling him about my story and my life. And he said, you need to have a podcast. And I, at that point, I was like, what the hell is a podcast? Because all oh, a radio show on the Internet. I said, huh? And he said, ma'am, you have an incredible story. I mean, you didn't study parenthood, but you lived it. Through all different of your children, you know, he said you're a mother of a, a disabled person that that society uh, disregards. And, and I said that's true. And I said then your daughter is famous. I said yeah, she is. And then she was a handful. <laughs> 
And then mm-hmm. your son was one of the top one of the, the top black student at Army Navy Academy in Carlsbad. I said, Yep, and he died. And then you're raising your nephew who came from East St. Louis. I said, Yes. He said, What don't you think you don't you think somebody else could hear your experiences? And I was like, Okay. See, so that scripture that talks about for those who love the Lord, uh, all things will, will come together. Mm-hmm. That, that is true. Mm-hmm. That is so true. And that will, and, and you know, and I was like, something terrible happened in my life, but look at the glory that come out of it. I have a 501c3 that I teach young men at the continuation school in Vista. This is how you dress for a job interview. You're not just being on the corner hanging. Then, uh, even though there was a white colonel at Army and Navy Academy who told me I was a black woman and I don't have that kind of clout to raise millions of dollars to have my son's name put on a building at Army and Navy Academy, I said, but there is a guy. So I'm still working on that. And before I leave this house, Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a building dedicated to my son at Army. Do you know they have never honored a black cadet at that school in the 106 years of its existence? Wow. Well, and we know, and it's in the book of Jeremiah, it can't be Jeremiah, that nothing is too hard for God. So a lot That's of times right. we always talk about Amen. that we can, but there is nothing too hard for God. Nothing. So we have Nothing's to, and it takes us back all of the, some of the, the topics we've done about prayer and casting out your cares on him. Because sometimes we'll sit there, we'll try to figure it out. But like they say, while we're trying to figure it out, God already worked it out. And that was what I was thinking when I started Amen. seeing something about the food. When I was like, well, what they going to do? Why they going to kill the babies? Why do, and these people know good well, they kids don't go to no public school. They know they got nannies. They know these yeah. kids are being homeschooled. But you want other people's kids? Do you want to tr- make them believe that your kid needs to go to school? Your kid needs to do this? Your, kid- your kids ain't going. <laughs> so, and when they said no, nope, like they say no is an answer, just like yes. We're going to do online like other people would. But another thing I don't like about this either is individuals that are here from other countries and they're saying that if they do school online, that they got to go back. That's not right. How you going to just tell me you, you got to right. go back? You know, it's just but you so know what, much going on. Yes. It is. It is. Remember when you said he wanted them to go back? Remember I told you just striking racism? Because remember, majority of all the people that are foreigners that are going to school over here are of color. It doesn't matter what color they are. Anything that he can do to get anybody out of America because he believes that it's just a white America and white people are superior in all aspects of life, which is not true. We've been robbed of our history. We've been robbed of our love, our loyalty, our devotion, our effort. And for it to happen the way that it did and the way that we conduct ourselves today, we really need to take a hard look in the mirror because the things that we feel inside, and by the grace of God and knowing that he's able, he can help us shift the narrative, change the way that we look at one mm-hmm. another, look at each other with respect instead of being so angry. You don't even know me, but you look at me like you're ready to kill me. And I just tell him with kindness, how you doing today, brother? God bless you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, how you doing? Because you expect me to say something else. I'm 52. I've been there, done that already. And like you said, we cannot conduct ourselves that way because guess what we honor the fact that our father has delivered us and we walk it we breathe it and we act like it every day i've been there and it ain't nothing for us to tell someone we've been there before like today is uh july the 14th um tomorrow is july the 15th which my little brother would be 50 years old and i just want to just thank god for giving me the strength because i didn't think i could carry on because we didn't have a dad and I was his dad, but I wasn't there when he got shot. And it was an accident, and it's so sad. But at the end of the day, my brother's in a better place, and God's will was done 
whether I wanted it to or not. And I have to take comfort in knowing that my brother is with the comforter, or all comforters. Take comfort in knowing that God said he's able and it's going to be all right. Because usually mm-hmm. I would break down and not be able to hold myself together. But look at me today, by the grace of God on the phone, sharing love, wisdom, and knowledge and understanding. Instead of laying down grieving, I'm able to give back even in my darkest hours. And I can only yeah. get that from my father. So I just want to thank God and just reiterate what the topic is. God is able because I don't want to let go. I know my brother ain't coming back. It hurts me. It hurts me because I never, we never had nobody to love us. Nobody loved us. Our mom tried to do the best she could, but there was nobody guiding us through those dark days. And when everybody sit here and say, oh, I wonder what it's like, you don't want to wonder. You want to go run into a gang? You really want to run into a gang? Yeah. We already lost souls, and we need God to come and help us. Because without him, there's nothing that's going to change, and nothing's going to ever be right, because we know that God's able. we got to act like it, walk it, talk it, and breathe it, and never let go of that fact. Because just like the world is this way today, God is able, and he's going to change it like he's always done, and we will be where we need to be. Just know the battle is coming for God's children. And it says it in the Bible. We are going to have to choose. And we're choosing right here and now. And anybody listening to us on the radio, we are choosing our Father. And I'm willing to die knowing that I serve my Father. I will never turn my back on God for anyone. Amen. Yep. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you're doing that because, like I said, instead of me sitting here waddling because my father's birthday, I was on the radio. Mm-hmm. I was on the radio. Okay, yeah. we're going to call the call. Let me log this person on. Well, um, hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments, number ending in 6-4. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Okay, and what would you like to add to the show or to the topic as we're talking about? He's oh, able. Hold on. I, I just want to listen in, Jeanette. Okay, well, you know he's able because you know what God has brought you through. You know it. So, okay, Carrie, what was you about to say, Mama G? I was just trying to give a shout-out to my dad. Today, was today he he had a birthday today, but it's a heaven birthday because he's in heaven now. I think he would be, oh, let's see, my mother's 81. Oh, he would have been close to, oh, no, he would have been 85, I think. Yeah, 85. And he was a strong. My my father didn't hug me a lot. He he was kind of because my mother and my grandmother they overprotected me and my brother. They gave us everything we needed. They kept us neat and clean and everything. So my father was like a strict person who was who, who was giving me strength. Because I was going to have challenges in my life later. You know, I would cry. And he, stopped, he would say, stop crying. Life is not going to stop because you're crying and upset. And then one thing he used to tell me, he says, now, when I, just because you're hurt or if you die, they're not going to stop paying or seeing you because you're you six feet under. And he was a real, you know, he was a minister later on in his life. He used to tell me, obstacles are going to happen. You got to have strength, mental strength, and God in your life withstand this. So when my son started having seizures, they, um, the doctor assumed, because I was on aid at the time, that I wasn't educated. So the white doctor assumed that I had no education because I was receiving aid for Social Security for my son. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell him, I said, excuse me, what you see on paper is what you see on paper, but talk to me first. Don't ask me, do I know the color of the pills? I know how to pronounce the medication, sir. Wow. And you know what, and that's what we have to get to, because even in Second Corinthians 1-4, and it indicates who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to confront those who are in any affliction with the 
comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, a lot of times I tell individuals, I know what I need to know when I need to know it. I let the Holy Spirit use me. I don't need to know everything. I don't want to know everything. But I'm able to talk to people from all walks of life. I'm able to connect with people from all walks of life. It don't matter what color you are. It don't matter what ethnicity you are, what language you speak, because there's always going to be a way to connect. And that's where you connect through God, because people are still praising, people are still worshiping, because this got to be turned around. We really got to soften people's heart. We got to address the fear that people are dealing with, the ignorance, the arrogance, the pride, all of that stuff is going to lead down to the road of destruction. But God is able. He's able, able to make a all way. The time. No way. I was telling my daughter, people are talking about not wanting to stay home, being broke. You got some people that got more money now than they ever had. You're in a better financial yeah. situation, but you've got to learn how to use wisdom. Just because you got this money don't mean you're going to spend it. That don't mean you're going to use it and abuse it. And that could be what God's way of shutting some of this stuff down. So that you've got to <laughs> sit still. People don't want to sit still. No, they don't. But I'll tell you right now, this time is a reflection time with this plague that's running around on the earth, running around rapid, taking in and everybody, grandmas, uncles, children, everybody. It's a reflection moment for you to be able to set back, be still, be patient, trust, believe in God, and know that he's able to work everything out. And people are like, well, why do you believe in God that way? Because he does this and this is happening in your life. Listen, trials and tribulations, if you look at what our father's been through, and just telling the truth, what do you think you're going to have to go through as being his children? You are going to suffer. But in that suffering is where you find the glory of God, and he's there with you in your darkest hour. But you have to believe. You have to believe and know that God's able, and faith is blind. But it's all around you, just like death is, and it blinds. But it comes, doesn't it? And it takes all loved ones, and it takes God to give us that comfort that we need to get through that journey. But I will tell you this, God is able, we know it, we have to trust, believe it, be patient, and stay with the company that you keep. If you, we align ourselves with God's children, there isn't anything that God would not do. Three or more together, God is in that presence. With everybody who's listening to us right now today, God is going to move in your life as long as you trust and believe in him. There's going to be things that you do that you know that's wrong, but God knows that too because you were born in a world of sin. Sometimes, and I'll use myself, I'm so hard on myself. Do you know all the things that God has delivered me through? I'm asking him right now, how do I love myself? I need to learn how to love myself, and God is able to show me that at 52 years old, I don't know how to love myself because all the things I went through growing up as a young man, helping my mom, my sisters, my brother, trying to be everything I can to make everything all right for them. I lost sight in having my kids and wanting things to be different. I lost sight of loving myself. I am not ashamed. I can't even tell myself right now today 10 things that I love about myself, and it's a shame. But I know that God well, is going to help Curtis. me work it out. you got to believe you deserve yes, it. Ma'am. A lot of times when we're yes, growing ma'am. up and we feel that, you know, life has dealt us, we didn't get a fair deal, we feel it was our fault. Mm-hmm. We feel if our parents were not mm-hmm. together, it was our fault. Some things are not our fault. Some things were generational curse. But when you feel worthy, when you feel you deserve to be loved, and when you start loving yourself, because you got to remember, God is faithful. He's very faithful. He will not leave you, not forsaken you, and he will always send you a comforter. So I remember even when I first lost my mother, that first year for Thanksgiving, I said, Lord, I'm a family person. I don't know what I'm going to do. I start cooking dinner for my clients. And every Thanksgiving, that the days before Thanksgiving, I fed my clients. There were times my soul would break. I didn't have the money. I would get with them clients, and we made sure we still was able to enjoy holidays. So I just created a whole other family. 
soon, but you got to remember who's able. In closing, Kevin, anything you want to say? Because I know you're listening. You want to say anything in closing, Kevin? No, no, I'm fine. I'm just listening. Karen, what do you want to say in closing? Because we're running out of time now. Oh, Curtis, you have an invitation to to go to Facebook Live Sunday night at 7 o'clock and and listen to my show. I would love for, for us to communicate on my show. But just remember that, you know, uh, sometimes I place myself like an Israelite where we do something wrong and then we have to go back and mm-hmm. ask for forgiveness. He's always, God yes, is so. always a forgiving God. Always a forgiving God. Yes. And you have to keep him in your mind and in your soul and in your heart because if you don't, you will stray away. Mm-hmm. You will. Yes, and Curtis, I want you to read some. Read Psalms, in Psalms there's a scripture that he, you are beautifully made by him. So remember that, because that got me through it. When I realized I only had one good arm and one good leg, I said, but when I read the scripture, I was still beautifully made by him. I said, well, God still loves me, so I'm still going to do my life the way he wants me to do it. And so I did all of my exercises and stuff like that just growing up because I had to wear a brace. But that didn't stop me from fulfilling a wonderful life. And you know what, Karen? Not only what you went through then, we almost lost you recently. And you made a comeback. Don't mind Yes, Yes, I know. You made a serious comeback. And that shows God is able, even in the midst of this storm. But you got to trust him, you got to believe in him, and you got to do your part. So don't be caught up in all the confusion and all the worries and trials and tribulations that you're going through. But remember, God is able. So I want to thank you for joining us here at Predicaments, Blog Talk Radio. And until next week, remember, you got this. And I'll... Curtis, if you don't mind, I will give Mama G your phone number, okay? That's absolutely fine. Okay. All right. And Thank then that way she can connect with you in order to be on her show on Sundays. Okay. And tell me when they can reach you, Mama G, for your show. Oh, I'm, 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 well, I'm, I'm, I used to be in the studio at WorldTuneRadio.com. We had a studio because of COVID-19 and their concern of my health. I'm on Facebook Live in my home every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Because the show is called Ask Mama G because I have my Ph.D. in parental household discipline. So whatever you have in your household, I probably raised it, loved it, taught it, spanked it, and definitely prayed over it. So with God, common sense, and Proverbs, and those basic instructions before leaving earth, I'll turn that alien child into a perfect a wonderful child for society. Amen. And I told you, I'm still going to get you, Ryder. Because Ryder going to break you. We're going to see this. <laughs> soon as this coronavirus is over, I'm going to introduce you to Mr. Ryder. <laughs> You're going to be like, your dad, this kid ain't like you. Come get this child. <laughs> well, in, hey, well in, closing, in closing on this show, is it all right if I say just a few words before we go? Yes, you Okay. Well, what I want to say to everybody who's listening right now and what I was saying about me not knowing how to love myself because I've tried to love and take care of so many things in my life at the age of 52, what I would tell you is that I know that God is able and he's going to teach me from the ground up, from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes, how to love and to appreciate myself and the things that he's instilled in me because he's blessed me beyond my own comprehension, and he will do it for each and everybody. Somewhere along the line, I just lost the ability to love myself, but it's one thing that I will say. There's no one around me that I love in my immediate family, even if I don't know you. I feed the homeless. I do everything. I have so much love to give. I didn't think about it until I was talking to the therapist because I'm not going to be able to use my left hand anymore. 
And um, when she asked me, tell me 10 things that you love about yourself, I couldn't. So I thought it was important for me to share that on the radio today with everyone. Think about that. You know, we all love and trust and believe in God, but do you love yourself? Because without Mm -hmm. loving you, you really can't love anybody else. And knowing that I'm talking to a licensed therapist on the phone, I know that our heart goes out because there is a conflict inside of me. But I know that God's able, and he's going to work it out. And the thing that he would want me to do would be to share it so that you can see the transformation as the radio station continues on. I will continue to share my the things that I'm going through, and I can honestly tell you the host will be more than happy to help me develop the strength to be able to love myself and because I love everybody, and there's nothing that I wouldn't do for anybody at any given time. I just have to learn, yeah, remember you learn how to love it. myself and just let you guys know. Yeah. You That's deserve have, it, too. I have to remember that. I know. I don't know what broke me, though, that um, made me feel like um, that I'm not worthy. It's not that I'm not worthy of the love. It's just that I don't seem like I have the love for myself. But I love the things that God has done, and I raised my kids, and I've done everything. But when it comes to me, I don't know what happens. It's a learned behavior. We'll talk about that, Curtis. We'll talk about that. Because it's a learned behavior. And I'm going to say this. Being of African-American descent, we saw that a lot in our parents. We saw our parents make sacrifices. We saw our parents either abandon us. We saw our parents not know how to love us because they didn't know how to love themselves in some cases. So we picked up some of the bad habits. It's what you call like a culturation and a simulation. you got to take what you learn from your parents and take what you learn from the world. You put it all together and you find out what you need. Because what you need and what you want may be two different things, and they can conflict. But, see, a lot of us don't even know what love means. People walk down the aisle, they, oh, this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend, I want to get married, and they don't even know what love is. So it got to start internal. Clean yourself of all of that. Take away all of the hurt, the anger, the malice, the pain, and find that love for you and let it grow. Okay? So, again, I want to thank you for joining us here at Precious Predicaments. Until next week, remember you got this. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes, Kevin. Kevin. Love you, too, Kevin. Bye-bye. I love you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.